0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Welcome to the Off Menu podcast, taking the pitter bread of conversation, putting it in the toaster of humor and burning yourself on the steam of hot, hot content. Hello, James A. Caster. Yes, hello, Ed Gamble. I love it. The pitterbread. Thank you very much. Uh, don't often talk about pitterbreads on the pod. We don't. They don't come up that often, uh, mainly because they are very dangerous. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Should have got Rob Beckett on. Does he talk about pitterbreads? Back in the day... One of the earliest Rob Beckett routines I saw was about pitterbreads and how hot they are when you open them up.
1: Ah, well, yes, we should get Rob on to talk about hot pitterbreads, but that's it. I don't want to hear anything else that man has to yes, say. Yes, in and out. couscous as well. It's like fat sand. Yeah. That was an old Rob Beckett line. Ah, great fat sand. Great stuff. That uh, but, is good stuff. But no- nothing else from Rob, thank you. Just those two things. Get him on to do his bits. Get him on to do his humour. Yes. Give that guy a little boost career-wise. God knows he needs it, uh, but yeah. we're not here to talk to Rob Beckett today, and
2: we're here to talk to someone else, and what are we here to talk to them about, uh? This is the Off Menu Podcast. We live in a dream restaurant, and we bring in a guest, and we ask them their favourite ever starter, main course, dessert, side dish, and drink. Not in that order. And this week, our guest is... Timothy Timothy Spall. Spall. Spall,
1: What an amazing
2: actor Timothy Spall is. Uh, National
1: (laughs) treasure territory are we in again, James?
2: Absolutely national treasure. This is a real national treasure heavy series, actually. It is, yeah. It's a treasure chest, I'd call it. This series. Yeah, really. I mean, we all admire Timothy Spall. He's got a place in everyone's hearts. So many iconic roles. And just this, so such a delight to watch every single film. I love his performance. I love. The warmth he brings to his characters, no matter who they are, even if they're the baddies, they're pretty. Yes. He br- brings a certain relatability to them, a certain
1: hu- humor to them. Ed couldn't have put it better myself, James. I was just slightly thrown by the fact earlier you said that we live in the dream restaurant.
2: Yes, as
1: soon as I said that, I you going to pick me up on it. Well, I just—it's just something I didn't know that we live in it. Yep, we live there. So, so we live there. People yeah. come and create their own dream restaurant yes. within the blank canvas that we live in. Right. When they leave, does their stuff go with them? And do we are we just living in yeah. a big white room until there's another guest?
2: Yeah, it's not even a big white white room. It's like just a state of nothingness. Sounds awful. Yeah, it's not nice. When people aren't yeah. in the dream restaurant, we're, we're in a waking in hell. We like people to be in the dream restaurant, which is why yeah. it's a
1: shame that we've established a format point. If they pick a secret ingredient, then they will be kicked out
2: of the restaurant, James. We're asking for trouble. We're asking for trouble, but... Them's the rules. It's an ingredient that we or even the listeners deem to be disgusting. And this week, the secret
1: ingredient for Timothy Spall's episode is pilchards. 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 Horrible. Horrible. Horrible business.
2: Yep, I think that's a that's a good way of putting it. Dropping the H and saying horrible. Yeah. Rolling the R's a bit, like Uriah Heap. Is that? Like, is it like Uriah Heap? No, I, I tell you yeah. what, I what. No, that's fair. yeah. Also, though, I think you were more channeling David Thewlis. In um David the David. third season of Fargo, there—that's who yeah. you reminded me oh, of when you were doing that.
1: I loved him in that. But also, who who was it? Was it Ben Wishaw who is? Yeah, Uriah Heap. He was um, in the Copperfield film, the Armando Inucci one. He was very good.
2: Yes, he's very good. Hello, Ben Wishaw, if you're listening, we'd love you to come on. <laughs> yeah,
1: we wish or you, we wish or you'd you'd love you'd come on. Oh
2: well, that's our chance is gone. Oh. That's that. Out the, the window. Benito Wishaw. We didn't choose Pilchards, by the way. I'm kind of like, I'll eat Pilchards. I'm got, uh, you know, I'm all right with it. But Even
1: though they're in an horrible, horrible, horrible business.
2: Yeah, yeah. But it's the listeners who chose it, right? Yeah, a couple of listeners. I believe Zach Morris and AC Slater chose it. <laughs> Sarah Phelps on Twitter and James Garrett on Twitter. Very nearly I got that right. It was Lisa Turtle. That's what I've got here. Great. And can you remember the other people's names? Screech. Samuel Powers. Samuel Screech Powers, yes. Yeah. Dennis Belding. Well, the actor was called Dennis Hopper. Oh, No, it wasn't.
1: Oh, my God. Yes! Oh, you (laughs) thought you had me. His name was Dennis Haskins. Dennis Hopper. Imagine, very different career for old Hopper. That would be great if Dennis Hopper was Mr. Belding. Timothy Spall has been in so many wonderful things, including the film Spencer, which is out on Friday, James. About Princess Diana. I'm sure he will tell us more about the film in this conversation. But before we go to the wonderful Timothy Spall, James, we've been nominated for a National Comedy Award. Yes. We are on a long list for Best Comedy Podcast. We need people to vote to get us onto the shortlist, and then we will come back begging again like horrible little pigs and ask for another vote. But
2: this first stage, we need to get to the shortlist. So you've got to go and vote, please. Essentially, we'll beg so much that if we do win it, we'll be so demeaned by the whole experience that it won't yes. feel worth it. We'll feel dirty. We'll feel horrible. Horrible
1: business. <laughs> Have we really won? Or did we just beg people to give it to us? Exactly. But I don't mind that. I love to feel dirty. So go to the nationalcomedyawards.com and you can vote there. But now, this is the Off Menu Menu. Of Timothy Spall. Welcome, Timothy, to the Dream Restaurant.
3: What? Well, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. I'm already dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Timothy Spall, to the Dream Restaurant.
2: We've been expecting you for some time.
3: Here we wow. are. I'm sorry, I'm late. Hey, no,
1: oh. you weren't late. You were, you were bang on time, Timothy. Uh, we're recording this one over Zoom. We were supposed to be doing it in person, of course, um, but James isn't very well. The restaurant genie isn't feeling
2: very well. James, are you, are you all right, mate? Are you going to be okay to do this? I'll be honest with you. When I did the sound effect just then, it really tore my throat up in a way that it hasn't before. Oh, no. Uh, but I really committed to it, Timothy, because I don't want to go lacklustre on your episode just because I'm a bit poorly.
3: Oh, listen, I, I understand how brave you're being thank and you. what a brave soldier you're being. Thank you. Uh, and uh, therefore, I will bear that in mind, and I will, I'm humbled by your by your sacrifice. Oh, thank you so much.
2: <laughs> what are you drinking there out of your glass mug?
3: A cup of um, my favourite tea, which is uh, Yorkshire and Earl Grey. So a little bit of the old builder in me and also the... The, the layers of sophistication has happened to me ever since I've become an actor of the parish for many, many years ago. Is it a, it's a mix of teas? Yeah, well, yeah, two bags. Just stick them in. Always, that's what we do. We get the, in the morning two Yorkshire or whatever the equivalent builders is, and then a bag of uh, Earl Grey. Let it become uh, so strong that you can stand your spoon up in it. And then it's ready to go.
2: <laughs> I've never met anyone who's double bagged it, let alone cross bagged, cross the bags.
3: Oh, cross fertilising your tea? Yeah. Well, then it's what I see. You get your, you're getting your old fashioned um, transport calf tea, a uh, basic tea that I was sort of brought up on. And then the ponzi kind of tea that one has introduced to the life of sophistication of a strolling player.
1: Do you feel like if you ever let the Yorkshire tea go, then you've sort of lost something. You've you've abandoned your
3: past. Well, I, I think I'd lose it because it's good, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think I would find myself entering into the sort of health shoe phase and then only ignoring all that, the great stuff, the the really, you know, the the deep fried, the fried bread and the deep fried shit of my youth and all them wonderful carcinogenic meals that were uh, you know, <laughs> that, uh, were dished up and enjoyed and still do on occasion. still love them, you know, why not? There's a mixture, so I still have a little bit of that and I'll go into the sophisticated as well, or the poncy, whatever you want to say, however <laughs> you, you want to couch it.
2: Will you name and shame a national treasure who only has Earl Grey? Do you know of any?
3: <laughs> I know people who have far worse teeth. Mm. you know fennel and um Uh, uh, and raspberry and all them things that aren't supposed to be in tea those all those teas i don't know how they've quite come upon us where did they come in from did they come in a bit after the time when an egg and bacon pie became a quiche lorraine i think that's when it that's when it all started i think
2: um of course we know here off menu that a cup of tea is not your favourite drink, is it, Timothy?
3: Um, no, uh, no. What is my favourite drink? I used to go uh, right across the board, you know, bottom shelf to top shelf. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> from from pump to optic uh, via uh, the vineyard <laughs> of Spain, <laughs> France and Rome and Greece. Um, I don't do that anymore. So all of the wonderful beauties of, that, of such delights have now been replaced by it. your mixed bag and your uh, diet coke and your fizzy water with a bit of uh, uh, lime juice in it or to top off the day like some boy scout rewarding himself for a lot a lot of days on the toggle or whatever you do with the boy um i have a nice um uh, robinson's blackcurrant and, and uh, apple with some lemon in it Pathetic, I sit there <laughs> sipping, going, Mmm, oh, that was, oh, have a relax with this now, you know. Um, well, there we are. That's the big reward, is it? Well, it is this thing that's become, you know, it's not a bottle of Brunello anymore. No, it, or, or, or I actually, I've become a great aficionado of, um, of the Waitrose cranberry big bottle. It's a huge bottle like this, uh, which has gone up from, I think, 72p to 75p. p you know? I was a bit shocked. And I said, come on, Sport, pull yourself together. You spent 20 quid on a bottle of wine. Now you're moaning about cranberries. <laughs> <laughs> cranberries? You don't know, bought 75p. No, so, no that's, um, no, I've, uh, as I say, I've had my share. And those and these are now my delights. Uh, Diet Coke being a, a sort of a staple. Do you go for Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi? Yeah, that sounds slightly, doesn't satisfy. There's something, there's a different taste. I'm not going to diss it because I would take it. But I, I have been, you know, I've gone towards now all zero. I, I like that. I find that's a bit hyfalutic. I've got done that thing now. Um, can I have a Diet Coke? All zero, if you happen to have, you know, all that thing. You over-explain one. Well, yeah, we got it. You know, I mean, you all that bollocks, you know.
1: If you have a Coke Zero, would you add in a bit of Diet Coke just to remind you of your roots? Yeah,
2: double bag.
3: Well, I don't, Well, you didn't have to get two, wouldn't you? But the example is I, I drink very fast. I mean, I, this is my sixth cup of tea uh on the morning i mean i literally i can do 10 o'clock that's the problem is that is that you have i have to have at least six i usually have five three straight off and i drink them fast and my wife is usually on just on the one and then i'll go in for a fourth. then the fifth comes in and then of course if you have to go out you spend most of the day trying to find toilets you know um and going in excuse me um Like in this country, you can't just walk in. You have to beg and throw yourself on the mercy of various institutions. I haven't got a card yet. You know, uh, help this poor old man. He needs a wee. But uh, that is one of the downsides of drinking so much tea. And then Coca-Cola, you always want to go for a wee.
1: Are you double bagging every single time, Timothy? Are you making separate cups of tea, double bagging, or are you making a big pot at the beginning of the day?
3: Oh, no, a big pot. Got a nice pot. Isn't it funny how every cut, doesn't matter how much you try, how much you've perfected the art of tea making. Every pot of tea is slightly different. Why is
2: you got to allow for the dance of the bag?
3: Dance of the bag, and yeah. you can never do it exactly the amount of time without egg timers and putting on. I mean, and putting on a timer for as the Americans got it steeping a bag. <laughs> it's like kind of, it, it's. I think that's a little bit pedantic, slightly, probably anal. But so I think allowing yourself the disappointment or the joy of what's going to come out of the pot is actually part of the morning's, um, you know, fandango. I find
1: sometimes the disappointment is worth it because you know you've got joy just coming around the corner.
3: Exactly. You've always got another go if you've got plenty of bags.
2: Now, we have talked a lot about drink, however. When I asked you what your favourite drink was earlier, you did get the question wrong, Timothy. Oh,
3: did I? That, that, yeah. I obviously don't know myself. Yeah, go on, what
2: yeah. is it? Your favourite drink is Diet Cloudy Lemonade. That's your favourite drink. You drink it all the time.
3: Now, I know where you got that, and I uh, somebody's lived with me quite a long time. Uh, yeah, no, that is true. That is true. I do like that very much, but I have... Graduated towards this big, uh, I think it's pink grapefruit, or Marks and Spencer's fizzy cranberry lemonade. Oh, so I've veered off. I mean, I'm not. I haven't abandoned the cloudy lemonade. I do love that, yeah. and that would be on the desert island. I think I'd have to have that. I'd have to have that in a well. Yeah, um, but um,
1: how often, if you had a cloudy lemonade well, would you be going back to the well?
3: Well, quite a lot. I do like to drink. I am. A, I think I might have gills. I keep. I sometimes ridiculously check, but um, I haven't um, because I don't understand why I can drink so much. I don't know where, it, and I think, and I, I don't know whether I believe it or not. It's probably nonsense. It might be absolutely true. It might be ruled by the stars. but I am a Pisces, yeah. as are lots of actors, and I think. I could quite easily just float about in a sea of cloudy lemonade, just <laughs> constantly consuming it. Oh, well, it's I presume far far better than the constant consumption of um, Brunello and Barolo, which would have uh, I don't I think I might have been that might have done me work. You know, I don't know, but there's probably all sorts of. Horrible carcinogenics and things inside cloud lemonade, but probably not as bad for you as litres and litres of uh, wine.
1: Mm. I'm a Pisces as well, uh, Timothy, yeah. and I, I think I agree with you. I think that's I think that's a thing because, as James will tell you, I'm a glugger. I, a glugger? I glug things down. I'll yeah. get a, a pint of water and straight down.
3: Oh, absolutely. And same with food. I eat it very quick. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of having three brothers and you're always worried if you didn't eat it quick, they'd eat it before you even got it in your mouth, you know. But I just I could eat I eat so fast that it's gone. I've done. I've eaten the starter and all there's a main before my wife's even got the bread.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and will you confirm that you drink cloudy lemonade so much that it comes out of your eyes?
3: Uh it, it probably does. That's what I, Ray I said. don't know. I'll have to try by drinking my tears. <laughs> I don't know whether that's sad, means you're (laughs) ill, or whether that's poetry. I'm not sure.
1: Before we move on to your uh, menu
3: properly, Timothy, uh, can
1: you tell us a little bit about your new film, Spencer?
3: Well, yes. It's a a very unusual look at three days in the life of Diane Spencer, Princess of Wales, Um, a woman that some people might have heard of. (laughs) And it's set in the early 90s, at a time in her life when uh, the marriage was not on great soil. And uh, she's there at Christmas at Sandring. And it's an investigation of how she deals with that three days, the the rules and regulations, the stringency of what the traditions are, you know, of what she has to do. And it being, in a sense, an exacerbation of all the problems that she found uh, in a simplistic form of what you know is, the, is indicative of the problems of her position in the royal family, and it's a it's a view, a very in-your-face view of her psychological state, her relationship to the family, and what she's going through. And it's not it's a, as different from the crown as um, as the born identity would be. And I play a character, a Major Alastair Gregory, who's sent to Sandringham to keep her in line, basically. But we started all in Germany during lockdown, so it was hell. You know. um, <laughs> I was in Berlin for a long time, and there was a lot of time off because snow came in and disrupted it. And I was right in the middle of all these cultural delights, and completely unable to to go and see him. And I ended up having to cook for myself because nothing was open. And my wife and I, who are joined at the hip, she couldn't join me, which was hell as well. So I had to do a cooking lessons with her over face on FaceTime. I mean, it was really sad. I mean, but but because I had this lots of time off, I'd plan, I'd forget things in the supermarket, so I could go back. So I had something to do. You know <laughs> It was really sad. Oh, oh, oh I seem to have forgotten the bread. So I could go back later on. You know, I mean it was really pathetic. But I, I realised something. I was 60, 64 now, I was sixty three before I'd ever cooked my own pasta. Wow. That, yeah, I mean, it was um it was all right. Right. What was the pasta? Well, it was spaghetti. I thought I didn't want to go to rigatoni or anything with the, all that exotic stuff, like off of one of those charts with all them things on it. <laughs> I thought I'd go in with the spaghetti, get the tomato sauce on, get that going, and it turned. And I, obviously, I had to FaceTime my wife eight times, you know, um, <laughs> just to get. And I set the alarm off in the hotel apartment four times. Uh, Mr. Hesparl, Hespa, uh, uh, is there any problem with Hesparl? Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> cooking a pasta.
2: <laughs> well, I like that character very much. <laughs> um, we always start with still or sparkling water in the dream restaurant.
3: Definitely sparkling. a little bit of the exotic. I find still, I'm not that keen on water per se. To tell you the truth, uh being a fish though, which is odd, I'm a cloudy lemonade drinking fish, not a water fish. Uh I'm not a fresh water fish. I'm a stale cloudy lemonade fish. So it's gotta have the sparkling water. But I always ask, so does my wife, we always ask for a a a side jug of lime juice. Cordial, not juice, none of that rubbish from real stuff. Lime, cordial, hopefully roses if they've got it, you know. And and I always say, can I have it? And I mime it. Can I have it in a little jug? You know, a, <laughs> little, a little jug on the side. And Rafe, I always, because Rafe said when I was a kid, I used to say, uh, could I have a, a double espresso with some hot milk on the side, a little jug? And Rafe used to say to me, Dad, you can ask for a, a little jug of hot milk <laughs> so, every time. Every time I asked for a little jug, of, uh, <laughs> I always remember him taking a piss out when he was a kid. It's hardly surprising because we bought them up on sarcasm as a device to <laughs> stop them being bad rather than incompetent, you know. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so he, he would copy you and mime the, mime the jug?
3: Yeah, but mainly he would take the mick out of me saying, a little jug, a little jug. <laughs> I don't know why I go up and up, take a little jug and sort of do a little <laughs> little jug mine with my hand.
1: Well, that shows it's a little jug. You've got to go up to to you show to that up, it's a little, little jug. Right? Yeah, yeah, if because if you say a little, a little jug, jug, they might be, they'll bring you a normal sized
3: jug. If yeah. you say, it. "Could I have a ewer, a ewer, of hot milk, please?" <laughs> <laughs> <It's a yoke. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a furkin of hot milk? No, a little jug of hot milk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, is your dream water the fizzy water with a uh, a little jug? Of, yeah, okay, yeah. Of, of lime cordial on the side, or because you love Cloudy Lemonade so much, and me and Ed, going into this, that was the main thing we knew about you, food-wise, yeah. is that you love Cloudy Lemonade, I would almost be willing to bend the rules and let you have Cloudy Lemonade as your water c- course.
3: Oh, thank you. You sure? Yeah, I don't for sure. Wanna, yeah. I don't want to bring the whole edifice of your structure of your show down by breaking that one particular, but if that's allowed... But I have to I have to modify the clay. It's got to be diet cloud in them, mate. No. Yeah, yeah of course, you, yeah. That, yeah. You that is have... the one, you know. Um, it's got to have all of those things that you're not supposed to enjoy, aspartame and all them other things that – Come out of probably nuclear fissions and all that. I don't know where they get them from, but if you're going to drink 14 gallons of them, that's like having seven dinners. So you've got to, you've got to lose the courage, so you're having the food.
1: I feel like because it's the dream restaurant as well, you can have a well. I think you can have a well in the middle of the restaurant, which has got Diet Cloudy Lemonade in, and every so often you can just send a bucket down, pull it back. Send up.
3: Send a bucket? Yeah, that is marvellous, isn't it? Yeah, a bucket. Yeah, absolutely. A pail, a big one of them big wooden ones with the metal rims around. Or could it be a firkin? Could I ask for a firkin or something similar to that? Uh, a quart, a quart. Yeah. Yes, that would be a quart pail, sir. Would you like the quart pail, the firkin, the gallon pail, the half gallon?
2: But you have to do the different voices for each one of those. You have to go up an octave or down an octave or whatever.
3: Can I have the gallon? Mm. Or the, do you want the American gallon, sir, or the imperial? The imperial gallon <laughs> <he> is <laughs> not the American gallon. It's less. But the imperial gallon, one imperial gallon of cloth in every
1: <laughs> That's perfect. You've created so many characters already, Timothy. On it just it, we're, we're only on the watercourse, and we've had so many different voices and characters. I mean, I'm hoping later on we're going to hear more from the uh, worried German hotel <laughs> worker.
3: Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Oh, maybe. Yeah. We might do it. Oh, is this my I, Just checking. that. you're okay.
1: I really like the Worry German hotel yep. worker. They've Hesh got a good ball. soul. Yeah, Heshball.
3: <laughs> yeah, Heshball.
2: <laughs>
3: Popadoms or bread? Popadoms yeah. or bread, Timothy Spall? Popadoms or bread? I do like a dom. Very much like a dom. And I like it. I like a spicy and a plain. Could you could just have one or the other because I like bread. I'm one of those people that eats all the bread as soon as it arrives. Um, yes. That is the problem. You have to be very careful with how many Papa Dom's you eat. I once was in a restaurant. This sounds bizarre. I was once in an Indian restaurant in Egg. It sounds like the beginning of a limerick, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but um, and I saw a table of six order thirty-eight Papa Doms. I thought that was a, such a wonderful order. And they came, and the crunch, the sound. Were they
1: all on top of each other? All thirty-eight poppadoms?
3: No, they were neither. They couldn't balance. They were they were precariously brought in on four different plates. But they were they got they got them down. So I think I'll have a spice. May I have a spicy poppadom and a uh, a plain one? And can I have some really big like Spanish crusty bread? You know that bread you get in Spain with all the air holes in it, but it's soft and it's got a dark crust on it. I love that. And some oil and oil and vinegar, balsamic and uh, that goes on there. And a little, little relish tray with the lime pickle and the uh, mango chutney and uh, the uh, onion and tomato salad. And a little bit of yoghurt, not too much of that.
1: It sounds amazing, Timothy. I'm laughing because this is genuinely just like talking to Rafe again.
2: Yeah, oh, it's it? exactly yeah. like talking to Rafe
3: again. <laughs> We could almost be related. <laughs> yeah.
1: He just—he also did what you're doing, which is just use this as an opportunity to list as many things as possible.
3: <laughs> well,
2: have all of it immediately.
1: Well, there's
3: so many delights, isn't there? I mean, I suppose if I was going to be aesthetic about it, I could bring them right down and be, But it is a dream place, isn't it? So yeah. your dreams yeah, exactly. are about indulge, and I presume. You're casting off any fear of uh, of feeling ill after you've eaten too much, so that goes away. I mean, I I, I always had this. I said to somebody, you could." There was a device that you could swallow a carrier bag and just leave the corner out of your mouth and eat (laughs) every. Eat as much as you're going to, and just pull, enjoy, pull it out. Empty it and stick it back in again. So you actually got all the pleasure, You just pull it out, empty it. So you'd never get full. I mean, that is a pretty disgusting image. Yeah, I was going to say.
1: That. Would you like that in your dream restaurant? Uh, because it doesn't. It sounds like something of a nightmare to have a yeah. carrier bag down your throat with a corner hanging out that you can pull out of your own stomach.
3: It wouldn't be very nice for the other diners. The, the, the noise it would make when it was pulled out and emptied would probably put people off. You know, whatever they were having. You know,
2: you're you're basically going poppadoms and bread,
3: bread and if I may, it's just, just I don't, well, I'm going to hold back to the starter as well. And I'll leave that as the bread and the pop of if I may. Yeah. Also, my wife makes uh, during lockdown became a master baker uh, and uh, some of the bread she's, so I, I might have to bring in a bit of that, some of her um, for uh, for catcher. Oh, my, she makes it for catcher. And we've been in Italy quite a lot. Honestly, it's up there with the best. And so maybe I'd bring a little bit of that in, in a sort of heated pouch that I'll put on a you know.
1: You did a little, it wasn't a little jug mime there. The heated, what was the heated pouch that the focaccia was coming in? Well,
3: the heated pouch almost came out as if I was wearing a bra.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, came out of your...
3: Why are you wearing a bread bar? Why are you yeah. wearing a bread bra? Well, I haven't got breasts anymore. but I used to have one anymore, but I now use them. I use my bra to keep my focaccia, my homemade focaccia warm, so I can produce it with a little fuss and without drawing attention. I don't know what you draw. You would draw attention to tell You were bringing bread out of a bra in a restaurant, particularly an old man. No, that was... <laughs>
1: So I think that's fine I think you can have The poppadoms and bread That you described And you can also have Your wife's focaccia If you're bringing it Out of your bra Uh,
3: My bread bra
2: Yeah Yeah. As long as you're wearing A bread bra And that's where you're Bringing out the focaccia Then we'll allow it (laughs) Let me get to your starter now Your dream starter Quite excited to see How many dishes are in this
3: Well I'm If I may I'm going to go in For a meze Here we go A uh, meze Or a tapas Of um, (laughs) Yes I think I'm going to go, if I may, can I have a a very, you know, like a little ramekin, There's a word I like, a small ramekin of uh, plain crisp with little cubes of cheese with them. I would love a little ramekin of peanuts. I would like some olives, if I may, and I would like, I've got a great liking for these now Marmite um, crisp breads. I'd like a little pile of those as well. I love those. And I think that would do me as a little just as a little nibble thing to, to nibble my way through the ramekins yeah. towards... Um, well, we were recently in Rome and we went in this place and I that's had something I never had before, which was a deep-fried small artichoke. at like that, tiny little artichoke, not one of them big things where you have to peel, like right? you're mm. doing some kind of origami or something on a reverse <laughs> origami on an artichoke like that. But little deep-fried artichokes some a little goujon of fish. I'd yeah. like that as well. I love a goujon. I don't know. Are you familiar with the delight of the goujon? I am, yeah. yeah I've, I've goujon. Just, yeah. Isn't it a lovely thing, the goujon? What makes a goujon a goujon? Well, it's just a small deep-fried fish, isn't it? So is it a fish finger? Well, no, it's a shaped fish finger, and it's usually like that uh, beer batter type thing, not a bread-coated thing. You know when they man- our fish manages to have a puffed-up batter and have air between the fish? itself and the batter, and then a nice little bit of squashy sort of fat juice thing comes out when you bite it. That kind, that's a goujon. You don't get the fat squidgel on a fish finger, do
2: you? No, <laughs> no you, you never don't. get the fat squidgel actually on a fish finger.
3: Sometimes it squirts out and can hit you in the eye or something sort of for a tiny if you're not careful.
2: So just to recap, um, you would like a ramekin of uh, crisps and cheese. Yes. You would like a ramekin of peanuts, yeah. a ramekin of olives. Yes. Uh, a ramekin of those Marmite flatbread uh, bites. Yes. A fish goujon and a deep-fried artichoke,
3: and also what I'd like—maybe not a ramekin, a slightly larger bowl of padron peppers. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, lovely. I lo- I, I, have we even talked about padron peppers? Has anyone picked padron peppers before, James?
2: We've definitely talked about them before because we talked about how I say padron peppers, and I which I think padron. Timothy does as well, yeah. and you always say padron peppers. I don't.
1: I don't think there's a right version. I think they're both right. Well,
2: both times. Yours has sounded wrong. I'll
3: leave you to her about that, but I I don't, as long as you get them, who cares? Or if in Spain they often say, Ipatron, no? Oh, yeah. Put an E in front. Yeah. Could I have some? (laughs) Ipatron, a pepper. I'll be mental. I'll be patron,
2: So who's this character?
3: I don't know. Someone's serving you. (laughs) Ipatron, (laughs) pepper. I don't know. I don't know, I think it's based on a character I played called... Uh, it was a character I played in a mad production of Love's Labour's Lost, uh, which I did Ken Branagh production where I had to sing I get no kick from cocaine, and I had to do anyway. That no, We'll leave it at that. I saw that at the cinema. Did You never did. You must have been four, and you must have been, what on earth was going on?
2: The Ketrin we went to see Love Labour's Lost. Goodness me. I'd never seen a Shakespeare thing at the cinema before. Tell me, what did you make of it? I, can't, I, think, I think I liked it. I can't really remember. I, I, I just remember the fact that, like, we were seeing a Shakespeare film and, like, yeah. I hadn't seen a Shakespeare film before. So that was exciting. And I didn't learn it was Kenneth Branagh or who Kenneth Branagh was till years later.
3: How old were you, if
2: I may ask? I don't know. I would have been probably primary school, definitely. But like. Oh, my God, I really am
3: old. <laughs> 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 Saw it in a cinema. I thought I was the only Did. person who'd done that, but uh, I mean, it was horribly received. Yeah. My wife absolutely loved it, and and I think it's been what's you know you have to put up with that, don't you? You end up in some things that people adore, and then you end up on things that people loathe, and then sometimes they loathe it. And then, luckily, these days, I mean, they stick around. These days, you know, it's harder to kill a film. Some deserve to die, but a lot don't. And uh, uh, if if they can survive, that there's streaming and all that stuff that, you know, young people know how to work, to watch. And I, I think you might be able to ke- get hold of it. I did look it up once and saw myself doing it in German, which was interesting. Uh, I've never seen myself doing being dubbed in German.
2: What is the film that people love the most that you've done, that, that they bring up to you the most?
3: Well, it's going to have to be the Harry Potter series, which is the one that, funny enough, is the smallest, one of the smallest parts I've ever played. That has made, made me um, the most... Well known internationally. I remember getting in a lift in uh, my wife and I got in a lift with uh, in New Mexico. A sophisticated, very sophisticated, middle aged uh, couple got in. I thought, my God, what are you, a politician or something? And I, he turned to me and he said, oh my God are you the rat dude from Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, I do. I do answer that appellation on occasion. Yes. The rat dude. Better than the guy I met also with. in New Mexico. I was sitting outside having a beer outside a restaurant and the guy, oldest guy, a very, very kind of distinguished old guy came up to me and said, I just wanted to say thank you. I said, uh, sorry, um, uh, um, so if we met? No, 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 we haven't met. I just wanted to say thank you you are the reason my daughter is an opera singer. <laughs> I said, I'm very delighted she is, but I don't think I can, I can take claim for that. And he said, well, I I am telling you, I know you're being humble. I'm telling you, Mr. Andrew Lloyd Webber, that you are the reason. I said, no, no, um, thanks. Uh, I'm a big fan, not as good looking as him. <laughs> but uh I would uh I can't say that. He, he wasn't disappointed, he wasn't having it, he thought I was swimming. But we're, we're
1: <laughs> Padron, we got we Padron Peppers to Andrew Lloyd Webber, as always happens on this podcast. It always, always happens go down that road.
3: Yeah, and then the other one is of course it's either kids it's either kids with that mm. or um, old fellas now um, watching our V pets still. So I yeah. cover the I cover the lot. I go from you know, and now all the kids, uh, the kids of the kids who saw Harry Potter are now watching Harry Potter, and the. Sons of the people are now watching the original of the same audience and now I've even I'm even I used to get oh, I've been watching that with my dad. Now I'm getting oh I saw that I'm now watching that video same with my granddad, you know. So, it, so it's it, I've covered all areas with a little bit of art, a little bit of world cinema in between, yeah. you know. I'm lucky I'm lucky to be tolerated on a long term basis. <laughs> that's the way I look at it by the <laughs> profession. So there we are, I can't complain.
2: <laughs> when Rafe was on, he said about how much cloudy lemonade you drank and we said about it spilling out of your eyes because you drank so much and, and covering you, and I made a joke to my feet. I said, Alvida ain't wet.
3: How do you like that? I, I, I don't know how to contain myself. I've actually <laughs> I soiled myself with laughter. <laughs> I'm going to have to call my wife to bring me some pants because that is so fun. <laughs> my socks are full. <laughs> yeah, an interesting use of humour yes yeah, it's like <laughs> the deeply unfunny kind <laughs>
1: that's the way i'd sum up james if anyone said can you describe james acaster's yeah. comedy i'd say well it's an interesting
2: use of humor yeah <laughs> i'll take that <laughs> um your dream main course to be...
3: well I, I don't know why it's happened but i've become very uh, prone to eating a lot of fish and a, a lot of my wife's a vegetarian, she has a bit, but I've got, I've got, I've moved, maybe because I am a fish, I'm yeah. leading towards being a fish, uh, garden lemonade, drinking fish, and becoming a fish, but the one thing I said to my wife, what do I like in the moment? I mean, man, we've been married 40 years, you know, and she said, what you really like, <laughs> and it's not something you have, is oxtail. Uh, has anybody chose oxtail? Yeah. I don't
1: think so. I think you might be the first oxtail.
3: Now, luckily, I've never actually gone in a, butchers and bought one because they are, you know, when you, you know, oxtail soup, it's that brown thing in it, in a tin with little like little flakes of something. You go, what's that? What? And it's got a sort of slightly, you know, uh, slightly appealing thing to it and sort of thing you have, maybe you're forced by your nan when you're ill or something, when you're young to have it. You just feel sicker when you've had it. I mean, I've always liked it. But oxtail is literally what it is. You know, it's... um. A huge tail from an ox <laughs> cut in slices into like rings. So you can see the mark of the, the ring. And then it's so it's, a, it's all got meat and an odd sort of gelatin thing around. And then you cook it for about 11 years. <laughs> and then it's the most exquisite. And my wife does all sorts of magical things to it. I don't know what she adds. I think she's just adds just lets it cook. I mean, but I don't know. I never asked because she's a magician with food. And, um, but this amazing uh, sort of vat, uh, like a huge bowl of meaty kind of dark uh, sort of almost medieval type thing comes out with this beautiful soft meat that just falls. And then you're left with a, with a very strange little sort of gelatini type bone thing. It's almost like, well, I suppose the tail is an extension of the spine, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's... I remember you couldn't have them during a mad cow disease because anything from the head to the spine to the tail was banned. You remember, you couldn't immediately. Yeah. it. So, but it's a, on rare occasion because it, it is a little bit, I suppose one of a better word disgusting in some eyes, but it's quite, um, quite anachronistic, quite old fashioned, but, I I highly recommend it, really. I really do, you know. um,
1: Timothy, I think you're the first person to uh, bring Oxtail to the Dream Restaurant, and also you're the first person to use the phrase extension of the spine during Mm. describing their main course.
3: Well, I might be wrong, technically, and I I hope to be disabused, eventually my ignorance on this, about whether whether a tail is an extension of the spine. Mm. I mean, there is evidently the coccyx, which is the bottom of our spine, used to be where we had a tail. Now, is that an urban myth? Um can't be an urban myth because there was not any cities when we had tails, if we had tails. But is it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you um, should
1: look, yeah, I I take your advice on, on tails more because you were the rat dude, of course.
3: Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Exactly. I was the rat dude and I've been it more than once because I was a rat in chicken run as well. So I am <laughs> as an authority. But I also have played Winston Churchill more than once, and I'm not an authority on him, but I think Rattus Norvegicus, I can uh, I can claim to have some inside knowledge of. Yeah. Or Rattus Rattus, depending on whichever one you want to go for.
2: Was it Extension of the Spine a single by Bonnie Tyler? Do you do you know?
3: Extension of the Spine? <laughs> Bonnie Tyler saying about... How would it go? Sing sing it, mate. Sing it, please. Go on.
2: Nothing I can do, a total extension of the spine. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I
3: think that. Yes. Yeah. Bye bye. My wife's just going off to get oxtails. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just reminded her. That was very sweet. I think James missed that. Your wife came and ruffled your hair to say goodbye there. R-
3: ruffled my hair with a, going off, yeah, to buy oxtails. Yeah, but that, and because I live very near Smithfield, which is a, an interesting place to live, and you're never far from an oxtail. They don't lead the cattle up here anymore. <laughs> I read this statistic once. Evidently, when there was a when they did leave the cattle to the market, where it was also slaughtered here, but the the guys that worked here, the the bailiffs or the the beetles, used to have to wear leather, sort of a treated leather waist high waders, because there was a million beasts here, and there there was so much shit that they had to wear waders up to the. And do you know um, where the fleet, which you can no longer see it was, the Fleet Street, which is Farrington, where Farringdon Road, they used to tip all the offal down in there. They used to use it like a big drain. So there was a river there and it slowly got covered in bridges and then they'd start chucking all the guts and all the things after they sorted down. The animal and the stink was so horrible that it became a health hazard. So they eventually covered it and piped it off. So the, that's why the fleet is under... Under the uh, Farringdon Road, it starts up in somewhere up in Amsterdam. And we're, you can hear it. Some I can hear it under the olden viaduct. Uh, Sometimes you can hear all the offal. You can't hear the offal bubbling. I think that's all decomposed because it was a. Not, it was at like the 14th century they did that. Who knows? There might be a spleen wobbling around, you know, <laughs> <laughs> stuck in a stuck in a battlegate sewer outlet. You never know. Going, Hopefully, oh, none,
1: none of that makes it into the uh, cloudy lemonade well. That'd be an absolute mm. disaster if you pull the bucket up and there's a spleen in there.
3: No, that would. If there was right. an infiltration, that would. You you dip in your your furkin and pull out a lump of medieval spleen.
2: <laughs> Talk about what the foot and mouth crisis was like for you.
3: Well, not being a farmer. It didn't yeah. really affect me. I'm not having any farming. Being from mm-hmm. South London and now living in the centre of the old old Londinium, farming is a little bit of a, a, a bit of an exotic sort of other planet to me. I mean, the, the only thing I was deprived of was um, was woxtail. I mean, that's how it hit me. That yep. was
1: a great answer, Tim, to uh, what I think from James is the weirdest question he's ever asked on this podcast. He's he's never, ever asked anyone, tell us what foot and mouth was
3: like for you. But- well, no, because it's all about COVID and it's nice to have a blast from the past, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, asking about how's your coronavirus is so boring, so de rigueur, that, yep. To ask about something like that, I mean, you... I'd love to talk about the Blitz, but I only know it from second hand while talking to my nan. You know, I mean, I I could do you a, a an impersonation of Lord Ho-Ho. Germany yep. calling, Germany calling. Give up the war, British Tommy. We are superior to you.
1: How would Lord Ho-Ho ask for a little jug? <laughs> look,
3: look here, you young foolish English person supporting your army. Pass me
4: a little jug. <laughs>
3: <laughs> a little jug of lime juice, and we will spare you one of your taken over.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: Your dream side dish, Timothy.
3: Well, with this, do you know? I don't know how it's done. Um, my nan used to do it. And my wife can do it. If I ask her, she doesn't like doing it. Is if you overboil potatoes, they get a kind sort of fluffy quality to them. They mm. go a bit dry, and they've got like bits of fluffy and They got a, then that with them and because you stick that in the any dry fluffiness becomes in the lovely mi- mixture of the sauce, and the, that goes in. With that, I've side, and you lovely put it in there to change the colour of the potato. And I also maybe, if I may, have another potato with it, which is like a, a crispy roast potato, maybe a Mediterranean one, you know, done in the pan like that, or just a roast one covered in some kind of Goose fat or some fat of something, and then um, I think some. I would to say frozen peas. I like. I do like frozen pea, but sometimes with if you're going medieval, if you're going back, the marrow fat pea, tin of marrow fat peas, which is another thing. I don't quite. Do you think marrow fat peas actually have marrow in them? I've never heard
2: of marrow fat peas until you just said them.
3: You never heard of a marrow fat pea.
2: No. I've, I've
1: heard of a marrow fat pea, but I couldn't, I couldn't draw you one. What well, is a pea? Uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> picture a pea. Okay. Picture a pea. Uh, um, invariably in a tin, and I think they must have, unless it's the type of pea that grows. I don't know whether they put marrow fat in them to give them as, sp- or whether it's a type of pea. I'm tempted to look it up, but I'm not going to because it would be distracting. But um, I always like to think because it always tastes like there is something else in it. I don't know whether it's the pea itself or whether it's gone that tinny taste because a tin uh, pea does have a particular tang to it, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And it's, it's old and it's kind of marinated and it's in its own penis. You know, <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's <laughs> penis. That's an interesting one, isn't it? The penis... That being of a pea type of pea, being penis, <laughs> sounds like penis.
2: Marinated in its own penis.
3: <laughs> marinated in its maroffatted penis. Penis. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you would like the peas marinated in their own penis?
3: In their own pea penis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to spread it out, don't you? Well, actually, the worst thing
1: for a penis to have is penis. Yeah. You don't want your penis to have a
2: penis, yeah?
3: No, you don't want it to You're be. No, you don't want it to be pee-like or no. no it would be out of control, wouldn't it? The,
2: you don't want it to have that tang that you mentioned. No, it. you
3: don't want that tang and all. I wouldn't mind it just to hear a doctor try and say a penis penis because that's yeah. getting towards the Latin, isn't it? So it might even actually like you know. Anyway, I'm, I'm 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 actually starting to feel a bit tired with this. kind of Trying to loathe myself talking about it. Self-loathing never far. You know, if you've got verbal diarrhoea like me, you go, oh, shut. You know, when you do a junket, which your yeah. job is to constantly talk, you know, well, I wanted 36 interviews in two hours, one after the other, What at a junket, and I kept saying, who is that horrible man going on and on and on? Shut him up, for what sake? You, it's useful. It's you, you're constantly going on. What was that for? What was the film? That was for Denial, um, ah. which was, yes, about the Holocaust.
2: My dad loves that film. Does he? I have not seen the film Denial, but I have heard my dad describe the plot of the film Denial to me upwards of ten times, <laughs> at least ten times. He has described the entire plot. So we got Fluffy... Overly boiled fluffy potatoes, really nice Spanish roast potatoes, some marrow fat peas.
3: Oh, I tell you what, I've got I mustn't forget this, but maybe possibly nine chips, fat chips. Nine, nine chips. No, no more than that, but you don't want to overdo it, no want to yeah. spoil it I'm out bad, but nine chips. Nine chips. Triple cooked? I'm never sure about that. I think that's overdoing it. I've always I like it, I've had it, but I had it. I think was it not um Eston Blumenthal, who sort of said that made that um, so, all the rage. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did go there and have them. They were absolutely delicious at the Fat Duck. Uh, only the once. It was delightful. But I think they were slightly over, you know, over over, duck. Over, you know, you just think something, just a deep-fried, bang, whack it in, you know, in a chip pan. One of them things that, you know, used to, where the fibre gave was, a chip pan fire, you know, there was <laughs> quite a fibre. What's that? Chip pan, chimney fire, I don't have them anymore, or chip pan yeah. fire. Little few chips. But I think, to, don't know whether this is a side dish, but is an absolute, and it goes way, way back to what I did as a kid, a slice of thick or medium slice, home pride, mother's pride, or whatever the equivalent, some blessed, all these trade names for white bread that tastes like sort of a chalk pillow, that kind of thing, you know. Um, and then you make sure you've got a, a, not too much because you don't want to drown the bread. Uh, what's left, you've eaten everything, and the bones are pushed to the side, possibly maybe even put on the bone plate with yeah. some of the padrone pepper ends still left. You can make a nice little um, bone, circular bone, padrone pepper, hair on a circular bone face several of them. and then you get the bread and you've got you know possibly an eighth of an inch of gravy uh-huh. and then you put in dead center you put the mother's pride or equivalent whatever that would be some blessed or you know into the bread and you watch it slowly <laughs> the slow this, the the bread's and the gravy seep in to and turn slowly but surely in slow motion turn into another color and another thing and another piece of matter entirely, oxtail juice soaked mother's pride there. And you eat it delicately and with precision with a knife and fork. It finishes it off lovely. And if you're lucky, you leave a little bit to the side and that maybe hasn't got so much um, soakage in it. You then get that and you put that on your fork and you wipe that last little bit so. We have a completely clean plate, which reminds me of when I was a kid when I used to lick my plate after my nan, who was uh, lived with us, cooked because my mum was hairdressing, and I go, "Look, nan, look, you haven't given me any dinner, nan, nan, nan. Where's my dinner? Look, look, there's nothing on there. You give me an empty plate, nan. it. you know, yeah, I could, yeah. I still do that, like a stupid, foolish, self-regarding, com- comedic nine-year-old to my wife. Look, look, Shane, look, 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 you haven't giving me dinner. Where is it? Look, look, I oh, completely clean plate. give me a clean plate. <laughs> you lick it. Pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> oh,
2: I love it. <laughs> I love it, and I love your. You've already referenced the self-loathing, yeah. And I, I, I love now being able to see it as you're saying it. As soon as you started saying, you give me a clean plate. I saw your eyes. You going, "Ah, oh, this is pathetic." You'd be absolutely
3: pathetic. It, it is. I mean, it's joyfully pathetic, isn't it? I, love I mean, it. that's. I mean, I, I love that. I mean, I'm trying to perfect the, the, the you know, the the chronically irritating and the. Um, Sympathetic. I mean, it's a bit of a forte, really, in a sense. You know, you've got to the, the 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 bizarre, the the deeply sad, and the very funny in, in unison. Really, it's a thing. Mm. It's usually got the best kind of dra- drama comedy has that, isn't it? You know, that great word, bathos, where something when something that is deeply moving and gets you to cry and then it just becomes pathetic because somebody's overdone it or they used the wrong word at the wrong time. Do you know what I mean? Or something comes in and spoils it. Pathos is such a wonderful thing, isn't
2: it? Do you think your entire acting career has come from you trying to convincingly sell to someone that they've not given you any dinner and that they've given you a clean plate? So like when you were nine and you were trying to just convince your nan and now still you're doing it to your wife and one day you'll be such a good actor... Yeah. That someone will go, Oh, sorry, Timothy. Yeah, that's a clean plate. I haven't given you any food. There you go. Give you a second meal.
3: What a brilliant, brilliant. It would probably have to be them either with amnesia or some kind of um goldfish concentration for of of them to have done that. That might help. No, I yeah. think
1: I think it needs to be the ultimate performance is someone who's completely sharp, you know, they've got they've got all their faculties and your acting is so good that they truly are convinced that you didn't have any dinner. Yeah, yeah, I mean that. That's better than the Oscar.
3: That is good. That no, that's a very good notion. Because there would have to be tears, wouldn't there? There would have to be silences. You'd have to say, "Okay, I, I, I think I agree with you. You did cook it, but I'm only doing that because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Because you actually, you know, you are suffering from possibly memory loss. Like, I don't want to because it's unfair. And you know, I'm crying. I'm crying for you <laughs> because I know you're not." right and you forgot me but yeah I, i'm gonna pretend uh, because uh, but, uh, all right uh, you did give it to me then i go did i then they'd start questioning wouldn't they yeah they yeah, would yeah. start you'd have to really lay it on yeah and you might have to go out and come back that's so fine. i oh, can thank god that was an episode we've got through that and, and then just but, <laughs> i'm hungry <laughs> you know, uh, you,
1: yeah, you'd have to make sure that you'd cleared away your plate that you'd made with the oxtail bone and the ends of the padron peppers into a little face because that'd give you away straight, well, away, straight away,
3: wouldn't it? Well, you'd have to eat them. So yeah. there would be a certain You'd have to <laughs> eat the marrowy middle, wouldn't you? That kind of gelatinous thing. But that is all, you know, that, that thing that everybody that became that. Do you remember when recently gaslighting, everybody started talking about yeah. being gaslighted? Nobody talked yeah. about that for a long, long time. No. Interesting that that term should come along from. That old, you know, from that play, Gaslight, which was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Victorian, wonderful Victorian play that all of a sudden these anachronistic words have come back to to explain some kind of modern, um, you know, uh, unegalitarian abuse.
2: Yes. But that's what you would do. You would gaslight someone into thinking they hadn't given you any dinner. And then you would get the Oscar.
3: Well, yeah, well, the equivalent. Yeah, um, of the gasp. I don't know what it would be. The but yeah, but I mean, that would be would that be? I suppose in a sense, all acting is a form of gaslighting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a con. You know, I mean, it, you're just, you're you're trying to convince somebody that you're somebody else, and they've got to forget that. That you know, particularly if you've been around a long time, they ask similar. You know, for goodness <laughs> sake, oh god, he's doing a, he's doing a character. You know, you hope they're not thinking that. Oh God, oh, no, oh did him relax and funny. Well, oh yeah, you hope they're not thinking that. You hope they're they're convinced by it. But in a sense, that's what you're doing. You're saying this is as a bloke, I'll turn up with him and uh, believe me for a while, and you, you might laugh, you might cry, I don't know. What I mean, but in one form or another, it's a con, isn't it? Um it's a very sophisticated, deeply um elaborate um very largely thought through con um, with others, all conning people who are willingly paying money to go and be conned for entertainment, entertainment.
2: We come to your dream drink, Timothy. Now, are we sticking to cloud diet cloudy lemonade?
3: Well, or should I go in? Or is it very much a, should I go in for the evening drink? I don't know. I don't often have that before six, but I don't. I might make exception. You know, I mean, there's a whole list of, you know, all the wonderful wines I used to drink and so on and so forth and all those wonderful things that all go, that I've, you know, that I've enjoyed and I was thinking about that this morning. Uh, People say, oh, did you miss that? I say, well, I'm, I have a nostalgia for that one, all those wonderful big Tuscan wines, your Brunellos, your Tiganellos, your... Chablis, and your Viva Brovra, and your Finlandia Vodkas, and and the chatter, you know, very dry Montrachets, and all these amazing things that you could, um, and German beers, Czech beers, all these words. I think, well, actually, it's a bit like being a sort of cage fighter for a while. You know, <laughs> drink is cage fighting, isn't it? If you like it, and you love it, and you explore it to such a degree that I did, that it's a certain shelf life for it. You can't carry on. It's like it's a bit like seeing a sixty-year-old cage fighter. Unless you were a superhero, would be wrong or a downhill racer. Something mm. I you have to just say. That was what I did.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
3: I I'll leave that. So all of those things I listed with a certain not regret, not missing, with a certain tinge of nostalgia. I I would say they're there. I've had them. There was a, it was a lovely time. It was a beautiful time. But it is in the past. On that note, I'd probably be able to get another maybe a, a Marks and Spencer's Cranberry Fizzy Cranberry Lemonade down. I've really liked them. Or I might go in with the uh, Robinson's and the lemon juice.
0: Mm.
3: Boy, up though. It has to be, I sometimes forget, uh, and i drink it, and I'll scald my throat. And then I think, I feel like I've got throat cancer. I think i start talking in a funny line. I think, oh, no, I'm going to have to go and get tested. I've got to get you notices, know, you know. So the scalding, sometimes, you know, you just have to have it so hot but coffee, you can't have You – you know, what is it about posh coffee shops, really posh coffee shops called things like um, nincompoop and uh, and yeah. coughbone and all that stuff? Kind of – why is the coffee cold? Why do you have to take an eye of it hot? You know, you know, I don't know why. It's always nice, but it's cold. Yeah, in Costa or something, it's boiling hot, scalding, you know. Yeah. And then I ask for hot; it's got to be hot. But then again, I found out the Italians don't have their coffee hot; they like it a bit tepid, so they can taste it. So I suppose maybe I'm the maybe I'm the uh, peasant. I don't know. Who you knows?
1: How often, when you're having your hot Robinsons, do you think I've got throat cancer and I need to go for a test? Is it every time?
3: No, so it's usually <laughs> after when I feel. Oh, I or sometimes I start talking to this old man voice? Oh, I a, oh I it. it's this is beginning. Yeah, I hate you. Oh, God, got throat cancer. No, no, actually, I, I drank water, boiling blackcurrant juice straight out of the kettle. You haven't got, hopefully, got throat cancer. You've got boiling blackcurrant and lemon throat, not sarcophagus cancer. You never know. I mean, yeah. you know... I noticed when I was ill 25 years ago, it wasn't being a hypochondriac, it wasn't the one I thought I had that got me. You know, I mm. got over it, thank God, but being a hypochondriac is no excuse for not getting cancer. Like, that means you don't want to hear that, do you? You
2: know, no, it's the last thing you want to tell the hypochondriac.
3: Hypochondriacs yeah. can get cancer. Because no. hypochondria, yeah. <laughs> hypochondria is a way of heading off illness at the past, isn't it? You think you've got it. If you've got it before you've got it, then you ain't got it. You know,
2: <laughs> has it ever. Got to the point where you've been at the doctor and said, "I think I've got throat cancer. Can you do some tests?" And then they've gone, "We think you've just been drinking hot Robinsons."
3: (laughs) Oh yeah, I I do. I have to pull myself together. One of the other things about being an actor is that you tend to have an inflamed, possibly a comedian as well, an inflamed imagination, and Mm. they do. You know, years ago, I, I said the, the imagination is a beast that needs to be caged. You know, I mean, that's slightly poncy, isn't it? But, um, you know, that, if it can get out of control, you know, and you can get all sorts of terrible things if you allow yourself. I mean, having been seriously ill now, I don't, I do get, give myself a break, you know. Um, but there is the, the lingering ghost of that childhood. You know, I had to go to, I was taken. To, hospital, uh, to see a psychiatrist because my hypochondria was um, so bad as a child. There was a bloke who used to walk down the street who had a huge nose big yeah. red nose and um, somebody said to me you know why he's got a red nose like that and I said no and they said because he had cancer of the nose yeah. and they had to use a piece of his bum to stick it <laughs> on his nose <laughs> three weeks later my mum caught me crying in the, sc- in the scullery, not a kitchen. I hear I wasn't, I'm not Dickens, I'm not in the Dickens level. In the scullery, saying, What on earth is the matter? He said, I I've got cancer in the nose, and they're gonna make a bit of my tuck it off, and put a bit of my bum on there. <laughs> he said, Well, this is it. They yeah, refer me to, to a um, psychiatrist at, um, at St. Thomas's Hospital. Um, we went there, mum, my mum was a very smart woman. We went there. And I, I didn't really know what to expect. You know what you've got to realise is that I also was at that time. I was twelve, but I was a skinhead. Uh-huh. So I had state breast trousers quite high, Ben Sherman shirt, skinhead cutting parting braces, and Doc Martins.
2: Okay, you're the kid from This Is England.
3: I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, but one, of, you know, when skinheads were skinheads then, this was in the United, so yeah. 1971. The Original skinner, right. you, know, you know, I wasn't really a skinner, I mean, it was like a kid version of you know, and I didn't realize I was shown into this room. Um, and it was a lecture theater mm. full of medical students, and I was on a stage. Uh, my mum was sitting next to me, and it was a psychiatrist on a stage. And when I walked in, all the medical students started to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> And then when she said this is Timothy, he's 12 years old and he is showing signs of hypochondria, they all started tittering again. <laughs> I thought this, even then at the time, I thought it's just a little bit outrageous. I remember thinking, don't think that's you're supposed to do that when you're a medical student, apart from being really humiliated. Then every time I asked a question, I asked, there was titters, there were, there were stifled titters from the audience. Yeah. And then I was taken in, I was examined, and about 10 of these titterers. Came in. And I was lying on a table. Maybe this is where the acting started. I don't know. I mean, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe
2: sympathy,
1: yeah, or maybe. yeah. First on
2: say there's a 100 there's chance of that. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> all
3: comes from trauma, clearly. Yeah, I mean, this is not the work. I mean, I didn't obviously. I I am growing, sort of slightly bulbous nose. I think that's just age. But um, but I know it's not my bum being put on there. But uh, no, I I got through that. But I did have a worse piece of hypochondria, and we had a. We had a very small cactus in our bedroom um, once my brother and I shared it in our, when we were moved to a council flat, and it fell on me, and it pricked a little bit, and I, and I spent an hour just thinking I was going to turn into a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought in the morning, I started to cry my brother, I said, what the fuck, what's the matter with you? I said, the cactus isn't oh falling God. on me. I'm gonna be a cactus in the morning. I'm gonna wait. I'm going to just be a big cactus boy. <laughs> so, a big cactus boy. So I'm gonna be, be a cactus boy in my bed. Imagine going, and I'd have to go put me, stay pressed on me, bed and Go yeah. back to the same, and then they would stop laughing. They would be frightened, wouldn't they? If the you're a cactus. Cactus boy had turned up in his yeah. skinhead. You know, the, the
1: last thing you want from a skinhead is to be a cactus boy, right? Because you don't. Yeah. Well, for a start, you couldn't be a skinhead because you'd have a big spikes sticking out of the top spiky. of your head.
3: Well, I suppose you could cut a parting in in, uh, in between the prick. Yeah, you thought that? Yeah. I tell you what, people would they, they'd be a bit scared of you. Though, wouldn't they wouldn't, know. I mean, I suppose yeah. so. You would probably be a quite intimidating skinhead if you were a cactus skinhead.
1: Yeah. yeah. The last thing you want is to be nutted by a cactus, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because then you become a cat. If you were a hypochondriac, <laughs> you'd you become a cactus too.
2: <laughs> do you think it was likely that all of the medical students had been told before you walked onto the stage, next we've got a little boy who thinks that he's got nose cancer and they're going to put his bum on his nose. And do you think they knew that before you walked out onto the stage and that's why they were tittering the whole time?
3: No, I think they laughed because there was a boy coming in with, a, with, a, with an acute neurosis who happened yeah. to be a chubby little skinhead. To boot. <laughs> so the incongruity of a chubby little skinhead showing new, signs of hypochondriac neurosis was too much for them to bear.
2: Let's get on to your, your dream dessert because I, I, I love dessert. It's my favourite course. Although you haven't really mentioned sweets much during this, although, you, you know, your, your drinks are quite quite sweet. I
3: yeah. train myself off them, really. Really? Uh, being somebody who's always had the diet thing, you know, and going up and down and spent a lot of time as a big, big guy, chubby fat fella, I wanted I became thin, you know, I wanted to I wanted to get rid of it. So I kind of trained myself off puddings and, and got away from all that, you know, treacle t- all that stuff and cakes. So kind of, you know, I went away from them. Um mm-hmm. but just before, can I have I did forget because you remind me, Ray, chose so many things. Just to finish you off, and um, the the oxtail. Can I just have a tiny, a little bit of tandoori chicken, just to finish <laughs> off that? For just little, three, little bit. Yeah. Maybe a maybe a tiny little skewer chicken shashlik, just yeah. to finish off. Because I I don't want to think. Oh shit! I should have had the shashlik. Sure. Not the oxtail. <laughs> so that is a a palate clogger, not a palate cleanser, to clog yeah. the palate. I'm doing. I'm doing a little. I'm doing a mime with my hand of a skewer. You know
1: the
2: rules. If you mime it, we have to bring it. Ch- chicken shashlik chaser. Although I'm getting a bit nervous now because it sounds like you're not going to order a sweet thing for oh, dessert. Oh, I
3: am. I am. Oh, uh, because we you have carte blanche here. Uh, immunity, I believe. Uh, yeah. Punishment immunity. Do I have discovered since the uh, the remarkable breakthrough of the low calorie ice cream? Mm -hmm. I do treat myself to ice cream, which reminds me, there was always down our street, uh, Wycliffe Road, which ran off of of, uh, Lavender Hill when I was a kid, the ice cream van, and there were two. There was Notterianis, which was the Italian old-fashioned ice cream made down the bottom of Battersea Park Road, bought up in tubs and bought out big spoons. That was Mm -hmm. a big, and there was Tony Bell, which was the soft one that came out like a big uh, Mr. Whippy, the original Mr. Whippy. And at one point... (laughs) there was an ice cream debate as to whether which was the best, the, the Mr Whippy or the old-fashioned. And it, and it culminated in the kids in the street shaking poor Tony Bell's van <laughs> so hard till he went away to allow Notriani <laughs> to come up, Mr Notriani with his old-fashioned tub of ice cream. There was a cream. turf
1: war. There was an ice cream turf war. Yes,
3: a little bit. We, we had to take sides. So, yes, well, I found myself part of a group of young seven-year-old Ruffian shaking the Tony Bell van to make sure it didn't come down.
1: Were you worried that the Tony Bell van would fall on you and then you would turn into a Mr Whippy?
2: Yeah.
3: No, they do look like... You remember that... Well, you don't know, you're, you're, you're young, but the, those ice cream vans were slightly top-heavy, particularly if they had a yeah. big ice cream on the top and a bell yeah. in it making a noise, which they did, you
1: know. We're from, more from the era where the ice cream van would maybe have a, a terrible picture of the little mermaid uh, spray yes. painted onto it
3: yeah i mean the ice cream i mean i do love it when i hear an ice cream van i mean i don't hear them around here but uh, where i live in the city but that is something incredibly inv- evocative about that isn't it particularly mm. when you hear it on a sunny day in december you think that's brave someone's <laughs> going to have had a bad summer but the other thing was about that was sunday lunch they must have timed it Beautifully, we'd have our big roast as a family, and then you'd hear the ice cream. Go, oh, Mum, Dad, Dad, can we get it? And we would get a big dessert bowl and run out and queue up and get them to put the ice cream dollop, make a huge bowl of ice cream in your dessert bowl, and take it back and have uh, a tin tin fruit salad or something or tin peaches. You know, I mean, that was.
1: So you used to take your bowl. You used to take your bowl out. Big, the,
3: the biggest dessert bowl you could get. Yeah. <laughs> Go, and we'd all run out of queue and get, a, and they'd just put low, you get it? can we fill it up, Mr. Nocciarani, please fill it up, and then go, and you go back with this big bowl of old-fashioned Italian ice cream.
2: Really different relationship you had with these two ice cream men. Please,
3: Mr. Notriani, oh, this is so nice. Fuck off, Tony Bell! Get the fuck out of here! Yeah, there was a little bit. I mean, Tony Bell did give it a few weeks and came back and all was forgiven. It was just a face.
1: Notriani going, yes, I will fill up your bowl as long as you go and kick the shit out of Tony Bell.
2: I've just got the image of you and all the little kids shaking the Tony Bell ice cream van. Well, I'd
3: like to draw a veil over that piece of seven-year-old delinquency and I actually now, all of a sudden feel very sorry for the person inside that being shaken they were frightened i should yeah. imagine uh and <laughs> feared for their lives you know i mean there's a lord of the flies all of a sudden down there off the, off the lavender Hill.
1: is your dream dessert the notriani's ice cream
3: well i think it is a a, a real beautiful i think a very sizable slab or mound of of, of vanilla old-fashioned ice cream and then of equivalent mound, a barrow, you know, like a long hill, like a yeah. like an earthwork of ice of chocolate ice cream and a barrow of vanilla. And then yeah. I think to go exotic because it reminds me of going to the seaside down to Mark as a kid, I think I'd have a banana split. You get this thing you cut a but slice of banana long way, put it in, either side of the ice cream. I can't remember. And then with some chocolate this sort of a kind of a, a zigzag pattern across that and that would be particularly with the with the taste sensation you were as a child of that ice cream that, the, the wonder of the ice cream after after your Sunday lunch you know that would bring that memory back but the ice cream I mean what is it about ice cream there are certain things you put in your mouth and as they go down your throat you go this is... Magnificent! This is almost mm-hmm. spiritual Rich. and biblical in its sensual pleasure.
1: Well, also it's good for you because you've just burnt your throat on some Robinsons.
3: It would help, yeah, and it, it would probably be a good idea to have a uh, have a little jug of ice cream next to you every time you're going, or get in there quick. Trouble is, when you're you keep your ice cream in the freezer, there's a horrible. How long do I let it get it out for before I start eating it? You know, many a time I've actually injured myself by trying to eat frozen ice cream in the top of the slimming ice cream and gone through the top, this, gone through the planet and into my finger, you know, and think, no, I am made a hole. You think, oh, no, it's going to be, you can't let it melt, you've got to put it back in.
2: I'm very, very happy that you've chosen a banana split. It has a very special place in my heart. I remember when I was a kid going for a big meal with my cousins and everyone and, Everyone ordered banana splits, and these humongous banana splits came out, and I was the only one who finished mine, and then I even helped other people polish off theirs, and I was very proud of myself. I love banana splits. I love that you've chosen it. Are you having cream on the banana splits? You said about the chocolate sauce. Squirty but you cream. didn't say there was going to be cream in there? or, or...
3: Yeah, I, I, the cream, the, the, what they sort of... Um... Squirty cream, the aerosol yeah. cream, uh, squirty cream. Um I don't know why that always
2: why that accent for the squirty. <laughs> cream? I don't know,
3: just uh, squirty cream. I don't know, it just seems to go like with it, it, doesn't it? Um yeah. know, the word cream and squirty do lend themselves to the whirl. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, can can you please do the
2: the will the whirl character asking for a, a little jug of, of squirty cream. I don't
3: know whether I can deal with it. Uh, I don't know, can I do it? It's, Liverpool's difficult. I I, I learned it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, mate. Can I have... uh don't want the ice cream. I just have the squirty cream. Squirty cream. You can then go up an octave. Squirty cream. Up an octave and nasal.
2: Squirty cream. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, and, I love it. Watch out! You're gonna give yourself a bloody coronary if you go up too high. <laughs> the same script. <laughs> oh, no, I've done my throat enough. Yeah. Oh, God,
2: oh God, there we go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you'll be out in front of the medical students again. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, stra- like, strained your vocal cords because because you tried to say "squirty cream" too high in a Liverpool accent. They'd be absolutely pissing
3: themselves. I oh, know. Imagine going to the doc. How did you get this throat? Well, I had hot romans and then I said, (laughs)
0: "Squirty (laughs) cream.
3: No, I don't want squirty cream because I think the actual cream itself interferes with the uh, mutation of the cream in the ice cream Mm -hmm. because ice cream is a mutation, isn't it? It's a a scientific uh, eventuality of a form of cream and milk and so on and so forth. So in itself, I think bringing in the cream itself exposes its mutation and its... uh, Bastardized version of the cream or another form. So I think these juxtaposition against cancels out one or the other. My, my wife, you know, when you go to Italy and ice, ice cream and you get something like that big, they, they have got the cream machine. So you can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, an ice cream is a half a meter high, you know, uh, the, which is, I know there's a delight in that. To me, I'm quite, I think the chocolate sauce and maybe, don't know about the red sauce, well, I don't quite, no, I think just chocolate, don't want the red. No, too sweet. And that's that part of the dessert. Lovely. There's another phase, which, if we're on impunity here, what's the other phase? What's the other phase? Cheese board. Oh, oh. you've
1: this done is- something very clever here, Timothy. Because if you just picked the cheese board, James would have gone mad. Yeah. But because you've paired it with a banana
2: split, I think you're going to get away with it. I am delighted. This is what I've always wanted people to do. Are you not allowed cheese board normally? People are allowed it. But I personally think just having a cheese board is, as your de- entire dessert is sacrilegious. However, I always say to them, why not just have it after your dessert? And they're like, no, 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 I want it as my whole dessert. And it really winds me up. And the fact that you've chosen a banana split, which is very close to my heart, and you followed it with a cheese board, shows that you respect the rules. And I'm very happy right now.
3: And then that was something, you know, that to to, to, to discover, you know, as I, as I got older and then Became, you know, more um, aware of other food, you know, to discover things like breathe a mare uh, and uh, or breathe a turd, as I like to call it, because that's what it smells like, you know. So and um, breathe a mare or breathe a which is also French for shit, which sounds very breathe a mare, which is an exquisite runny, and camembert, and ermental and sage derby and colston bassett uh still mm. you know speaking my language you know gorgonzola I mean, when i was a kid gorgonzola my nan i remember the only experience i had of gorgonzola is my nan who lived up in the top of our house when i was in uh she lived with us all our lives um until she, we moved and then she got her own little flat but she'd have a a cheese dish you know like a funny and my brother and I used to run up there and lift it, look at the little piece of Gorgonzola and scream and run downstairs again. Um, so I didn't. I thought Gorgonzola was a hideous kind of a piece yeah. of quater mass that was under a... Di- you know, so when I discovered Gorgonzola and Cambozola and then Mascarpone and Gorgonzola together, with I mean, yeah. it's like all the a- aorta-clogging substances, one for each aorta, you know, um, and then cream crackers cream crackers to go with these things and since i've got older the the wonderful array of you know knacker bread you can go with it and having you know had the, the privilege of traveling the world from my work and from boating all the things you discover all these you didn't realize that Rivita was just the tip of the iceberg. There are rivetas in Sweden that are the size and the thickness of duvets, stiff do du- I mean, that are like eating tiles, but you know, I mean, they are amazing
1: things. You'd like one of these big thick duvets
3: to go with your chicken. A, kana- a, a kanaka bread of like a kanaka bread, that you need a wheelbarrow to be, you know, or you need a yeah. yeah, or or I don't think you can beat your simple jacobs cream cracker but there's something so pure so simple about that it's like the the king and the simple biscuit is either the digestive or the rich tea simple unsophisticated in their simplicity but all the more glorious because of their simplicity and i think the cream cracker has that mixture of christmas fat Clogginess to the palate, which helps clog the cheese in the mouth.
2: So, I'm going to read your menu back to you now. Go on, then. See how you feel about it. Water, you would like an imperial gallon of Diet Cloudy lemonade. Yes. Poppadoms or bread, spicy poppadom and a plain poppadom with all the relishes, and Spanish bread with olive oil and balsamic, plus a bread bra of your wife's focaccia.
3: Yes, breast-heated bread from my own bread broth
2: starter a mezze ramekins of plain crisp with cubes of cheese ramekin of peanuts ramekin of olives ramekin of marmite crisp breads a deep fried artichoke fish goujons and a big bowl of padron peppers yes main course oxtail stew with a little bit of chicken sh- shashlik at the end side fluffy boiled potatoes crispy roast potatoes a tin of marrow fat peas nine fatty chips and some Mother's Pride white bread.
3: Yes, to to, to mop up the the juice, the sauce, uh, the gravy. Drink
2: Marks and Spencer's fizzy cranberry lemonade and a boiling hot Robinson's apple and blackcurrant squash with lemon juice. Yes. Dessert, Notriani's ice cream, vanilla and chocolate, banana split, followed by a cheese board. Yes,
3: yes beautiful, beautiful stuff, Timothy. Feel good? I do, yeah. I'm a bit peckish now, a little bit peckish.
1: Thank you so much for coming to the Dream Restaurant, Timothy Spall.
3: Well, it's been a delight to talk to you, uh, fellows. Really, very nice. I hope your cold gets better. I'm getting one. I didn't want to go on about
1: it. Well, I'm not sure if you are getting a
2: cold, Timothy, after everything we've heard about you. I think you've talked to someone who's got a cold over Zoom, and now you think you're getting a cold. (laughs) Yeah,
3: exactly.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Timothy Spall. Well, there we are, James. What a wonderful time we Ooh. had meeting the rap dude. What a what a great rap dude he was. Uh, a delicious meal, just like his son. Loads and loads of extra little bits and bobs going on in there. Those are little loopholes he found. Not even loopholes. Just saying, if I may, a lot, and that that, yeah. that tricked us. Just... Turns out we fell for that. Just say if yeah. I may, we let people have whatever they want.
1: Yeah, um, But no, great, great episode, some lovely revelations in there and some things, oh. James, that Timothy told me he's never told anyone before.
2: I really appreciate that. I love an off-menu exclusive.
1: Can't wait to read that. Absolutely butchered to fuck in the tabloids without a mention yeah. of where they got it from.
2: Yeah, completely changing the story so it sounds like he's a maniac
1: or something's yeah. wrong with him. <laughs> How do they sleep? How do they sleep at night?
2: But Timothy can sleep soundly because he didn't say pilchards. He didn't say pilchards. He's allowed to stay in the restaurant, not kicking him out. We can all breathe a sigh of relief there, actually. Yes,
1: uh, in which case uh, we can also plug his film, because he didn't say Pilchards. Uh, he's in Spencer, which comes out on Friday. Go see that. It sounds absolutely fascinating.
2: Yeah, he may, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. Also, Ed... Uh, everyone's got to vote for us tomorrow in the comedy awards.
1: Yes. You've got, you've got until tomorrow to vote. Uh, that's what I would yes. say. Do it now. Don't wait until tomorrow. Otherwise you're cutting it fine. Go to the nationalcomedyawards.com mm. and you can vote for off menu in best comedy podcast, how you vote in the other categories, completely up to you. I'm not involved in any of the other categories. I think James is involved in all of them, but it's very <coughs> much podcast, which is the important bit. I think I'm involved in one other one. Hypothetical. Hypothetic. I call it. Hypothetic. Actually. What? Pathet- Hypothetic. What do you call it? Hypothetic. I call it. Well, High as in H. I, comma. Pathetic.
2: Hypothetic.
1: Yeah. What Hypothetic. Al. That's what I call it. And imagine a guy called Al. Is there any? Is there anyone called Al who works on the show?
2: I don't know anyone's names who works on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I actually
1: quite like it. Done it three times, haven't
2: I? Yeah, I've done it three times. I thought. I, I thought you liked it. I didn't know you yeah, thought it was no, pathetic. I do like
1: it. You know why I like it? Because I get to come on. there, and any situation I create, I get to make you do
2: something horrible. Yes. Yes, once you made me hold a tube to your anus. Hold a tube to my anus? Did
1: I make you suck off a mannequin in the last one?
2: Well, probably. Yeah, yeah, you made me put... Yeah. (sighs) I don't think that stuff makes the edit. It's too hardcore for Dave. Yes. Well, that's
1: me. Too hardcore for Dave. Apart from every night when I'm on Dave. Few shout-outs, James, uh, to some people who've sent us some things. The Scotch Whiskey Society sent us all (sighs) the lovely little sort of flight of mini bottles of whiskey.
2: Really appreciated that. I mean, I say appreciate it. I'm halfway through them. Oh, yeah. You do. You have little spirits at
1: home, don't you? You like your little spirits. Yes. We've got a bottle of vodka in, in the fridge. Uh, I won't say what vodka it is, but it mm. doesn't have any additives, and it's very clean-tasting, James. <laughs> oh, um, lovely. So we have our little our little whisk, whiskies but clear at home, vodka, as it's known. Um, Delicious. So thank you to the Scotch Whiskey Society. Thank you also
2: to Sax Pants, James. Jamie Oliver put us on to them. And when I say put us on to them, literally had some sent to us uh, from the people at Sax. Yeah. And we were like, well, we'll see about this, Oliver. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about it briefly over WhatsApp. We, we've all said different things at different times. Yeah. Right now, I'm literally in a stage where I look forward to putting them on. Me too. And for me, I don't mind
1: saying, love the Sax pants as well, because that technology means everything's scooped forward and popped at the front. Yeah. And uh, well... It it tricks the it tricks the eye. Before
2: Ed got his sax pants, he used to walk around the room and his his crotch area was like you'd think he had a jacuzzi going on underneath there because it, it was all bubbling around and everything was just going on all over the place. It was like a fight in a cartoon, but it's a you know a, a dust a, a cloud a cloud, cloud of dust. <laughs> yeah, occasionally you'd see a chick a chick a chicken's head poking out of there to see what was going on. Wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, oh man, so it all needs to be scooped into one place. And finally, it's collected up. All yes. my
1: nethers and feathers and scooped it all, scooped it all into one place. So thank you, Sax, for thank controlling you. my cartoon fight penis and testicles.
2: Yes. Also, we got when we first started this podcast way back in twenty, I want to say eighteen. Correct. We uh, the first like logo that we put out there for our, our podcast was the words "off menu" on a jar of Marmite. Yes. And I, I believe we've stuck with that. We've kept it. Over the years, uh, I, don't, I actually don't know. Yeah, you believe that, though. That's fine. And now the people at Marmite have sent us a jar of Marmite that says off-menu instead of Marmite on it.
1: Took a while, but we're very happy.
2: <laughs> Means a lot to us. And it sits in the office
1: at Plosive Productions, Yeah, where Benito runs his evil empire, and now and yeah. again, if he has guests over, he makes them lick Marmite off his finger and say, you're the boss. Uh, okay, well, we should probably wrap this up, James. Oh, well, fair enough. Parted is
2: such sweet sorrow. Lovely. Poetic. Oh, I should have said that stuff. to Timothy Spall. I bet you would have respected that.
1: Yeah, he would have Too
2: late. Too late. I bet you at all, mate.
1: Thank you very much for listening. We will see you again next week. Goodbye. Bye.
5: My name's Rob Orton, and I do the Rob Orton Daily Podcast. The Rob Orton Daily Podcast is a daily podcast that is quite short. Some are two minutes long, some are ten minutes long, and they are stories and poems, and basically all the thoughts I've ever had that I like enough to want to share with people, and the Rob Orton Podcast is available on Apple, Acast, Spotify, all the other places where you normally get your podcasts. And on social media, it is at Rob Orton Podcast. Thank you. Hold
4: up?